Well, uh, good morning everyone. As the Apostle Paul said in his greetings quite often in his letters, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is lovely to be with you this morning again. So before we start, let me just quickly pray. Our Lord God, Heavenly Father, give us understanding today to know you as the one who loves us and gives us rest. Amen. I wonder if any of you like to read historic novels set in England, books by Jane Austen or Charles Dickens, for example. Or maybe you like to watch period dramas like Upstairs, Downstairs, Downtown, Downton Abbey, The Crown, or more recently, Bridgerton. Have you ever noticed that the successful wealthy people in these books and dramas are the ones who seem to be permanently at leisure? The ladies spend their time sewing and reading books and the men go hunting or off to the club. Being able to sit around and just do what you feel like was the status symbol of the day. By contrast, in our modern society, it seems that being busy is a status symbol because we think that if we're busy, we must be highly skilled, ambitious and popular. An Oxford study on busyness actually made the claim that a busy and overworked lifestyle rather than a leisurely lifestyle has become an aspirational status symbol. In other words, the busier you look, the more important you can think of yourself to be. How many times do you hear people say, I'm just so busy? Christians have good reasons to be busy. Not only do we have the same workload as our non-Christian friends in our lives, all those multiple roles that we have, wives, mothers, financial controllers, cleaners, cookers, all that sort of stuff, but we volunteer at church, we attend home group, we participate in prayer meetings, we take meals to the sick, we fundraise, we evangelise in the community, now we might not necessarily call that ambition or success, but perhaps what we say to ourselves is that being busy shows that we're important, we're needed, or that God is using us in wonderful ways, which might not leave time for early nights or watching TV with the family. Busyness is different to being committed. We should be committed to our families, our work, and the work of God. But that does not mean we should be hectic. The fullness of life that Christian faith gives us is more to do with deeper levels of significance in our lives than simply a, a larger range of activities. Today, we will first look at how busyness can be the enemy of spirituality then what it means for busyness to be a tyrant. Then we'll look at Jesus' example and what we can learn from him to help us tame that tyrant. And we'll finish with some helpful hints. John Kurt wrote in the Grace and Truth blog that busyness can be the enemy of spirituality when it operates in the following ways. 
The first one is that when we use it as a defence. So appearing really busy becomes our way of controlling events and the demands made by other people. We use it to say no to requests without really addressing the real reasons why we might not want to do something. And like the verbal equivalent of an echidna's spines, we project busyness and that acts as a protector against criticism. Of course I didn't do that properly. Can't you see how busy I am? <laughs> busyness also is the enemy of spirituality when, we, when it becomes denial. So being busy helps people avoid prioritising. Rushing from task to task means that deeper questions can be avoided. So addressing underlying problems or doing things in new ways can be put off. Unfortunately, rather than helping engage in reality, busyness often helps us deny reality because we don't have time for it. And the third way that busyness can impact negatively on our spirituality is when it is our identity. So most deeply, being busy and being seen to be busy fulfills a dangerous need within us for significance. We want to be seen as someone with major responsibilities, whose time is precious and whose life is full. Unless checked, our insecurities can create idols which begin to orientate our lives around our task. Our need for acceptance becomes more important than our relationship with God and with others. Here's a quote from Eugene Peterson in his book, Subversive Spirituality. Busyness is the enemy of spirituality. It is essentially laziness. It is doing the easy thing instead of the hard thing. It is filling our time with our own actions instead of paying attention to God's actions. It is taking charge. This is when busyness becomes a tyrant. The title of the talk today, Taming the Busy Tyrant. It's an interesting choice of word, isn't it, tyrant? Did you know that in the dictionary, tyrant is defined as a ruler who has absolute power over other people and uses it unfairly or cruelly? Does your busyness ever feel like an absolute ruler? Does it ever feel like something that is unfair or cruel? then maybe your busyness has become a tyrant. When busyness becomes a tyrant, our busyness takes the place of God. When we're so concerned about the next task and just getting everything done, we have little or no time to check our priorities with God. The cruelty is that if we let our business rule us, it can be a harsh ruler, whereas our God is a loving Father who only wants the best for us. Evidence of the harshness of the rule of busyness is in our bodies. When we have too much busyness, we come under stress. And stress is a biological process which God gave us to help us. When we face situations that we perceive as harmful or threatening, hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol are pumped through our bodies, our hearts, and our hearts start pumping faster, our mind and our muscles are on alert ready for fight or flight. In our modern lives, we don't face too many bears and dragons. 
But having too many demands on our lives causes this same stress reaction. In the same way that God gave us this stress process, he also designed us to recover from stress through rest, as our delightful Prue so beautifully described. And if we do that, those hormones dissipate from our bodies and things return to normal. The problem comes when these hormones remain in our system for long periods of time because we're constantly busy and stressed. Rather than tapering off after the perceived threat has passed, chronic stress causes a constant release of cortisol and adrenaline to continuously pollute our body. Not only does this wreak havoc on our hair, skin, weight, heart and our digestive system, we can actually get addicted to it because it causes feel-good hormones to be released in our brains. When I was working um, a few years ago, or in my last role in particular, um, I found, I went to the hairdresser and she said my hair was starting to fall out, which was interesting because I didn't realise it. Um, and at the time I had a job that just consumed all hours. Um, I had calls at night um, with people in America and England, and I'm not saying that to say what a amazing status person I am, because it's tempting to do that. But it was interesting to see to me that this science was in my body. And when I stopped work, it took me six to 12 months to actually relax and have my first good night's sleep. So it is real. It's not just some scientific experiment. It does happen. And we need to be aware of that. So the question is, how do we tame this tyrant? Well, let's look at Jesus' example, and we, when we talk about him, let's have a look at where he might have made a different choice to the way the choices that we might make. Jesus was certainly busy. He had whole towns of people to heal and to teach. He had only three years in which to save the world and initiate a new spirit-filled relationship for us with God. All this made him so tired that he fell asleep on a boat in a storm. However, he had very clear priorities. Everything he did focused on restoring our relationship with God and he was ruthless in his focus. In an article in Christianity Today, Claire Pay reminds us that in order to achieve his priorities, Jesus left things undone. By the time he died, not everyone was saved. And there were still demon-possessed and sick people in Israel. Jesus left these things undone so that he could spend time on the important things, time with his disciples and his friends. In, instead of healing and preaching, sometimes he would have dinner so that he could spend that time. Though he always seemed to turn those dinners into an amazing story or some way of helping an individual. But despite all the things that appeared to be left undone, when Jesus died, he could say, it is finished, because he had achieved what God had sent him to do. So the first thing we learn from Jesus is that there will always be too much to do and too much to achieve. We need to learn to do less, be prepared to let go of some of the things on our lists. 
Work out what's most important and choose the things we're not going to do. In other words, choose to give up some stuff so that we can make time to do the priorities. So a helpful question when someone asks you to do something or a new job seems to appear on the horizon is to not just say, should I do this, but say, what am I not going to do in order for me to do this? Make a deliberate choice to drop things off your list, like Jesus did, so you can do the important things, such as maybe being more available for your family or maybe even sleeping. As it says in Proverbs 23.4, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. So the second thing we learn from Jesus is the absolute importance of staying close to God by spending time alone with him. In today's reading, we read that, well, just before the story we read today, Jesus had just heard that his cousin and friend, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. So at the beginning of our reading, we read that he tries to withdraw to a solitary place. So how many times have you tried to actually go somewhere and get a cup of tea or some rest? And then what happened to him happens to us. The crowd followed. The thousands of people followed him. And at this time, he decided to have compassion on them. So he healed their sick and fed them. There were 5,000 men, just 5,000 men and all their women and children. So probably 10,000 people. That's the size of most football stadiums. Imagine feeding 10,000 people. How much energy did that take for him to create that food from the five loaves and the two fish? After this, he sent his disciples on ahead and went up to the mountainside to pray. So at that moment, he took the opportunity to do the rest, to take the time to pray. And this wasn't a one-off. Luke tells us in chapter 22, verse 39, that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of, Olive, Mount of Olives. And when Judas came to betray him, he knew where to find him, in the Garden of Gethsemane. So Jesus must have often gone to the same place. He regularly spent time with his Father, our God. And because he did this, he could confidently say, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus' priorities were his father's priorities, and even though they were as close as being three persons in one, Jesus still took time out to spend time alone with his father. Letting our busyness get in the way of our relationship with God shows how out of balance our schedules might have become. Nowhere in scripture will we find the command, be busy and know that I am God. Our busyness does not please God, our faith pleases him. And we can't have faith and we can't trust in someone we're too busy to get to know. Day in and day out, we need to heed the truth that we've heard actually several times already today be still and know that I am God. The third thing I would like to suggest to you is to build margins into your diaries. 
This means building small amounts of time into your diary, maybe big ones if that's important, which are beyond what is actually necessary and which can be available just in case someone needs it. In Leviticus, we read, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. This verse is about generosity, being responsible enough with what we have to give, which is our time, to give a margin of it, to have a margin of it to be able to give to others, to be able to be kind with our time. It's not easy. Our tasks can be worthwhile and good, and our time may seem limited. But the truth is, it's in the spaces, the margins, where we get to stop and observe what God is doing around us. It's in the margins where we build relationships we didn't expect to, or have conversations out of nowhere. It's where we can be generous with our time and our attention, do a favour for a stranger, or say to a hurting friend, yes, I do have time for that last minute coffee. For th the fourth thing we learn from Jesus and the Father is the importance of taking time to rest, to have a Sabbath. And Prue so beautifully described that to us today. In Genesis we read that God himself is a worker. He worked to create the world. He also made us in his image to work too. He gave Adam and Eve the physical job of caring for the garden and also thinking work. He asked them to name all the animals and he asked them to rule over all creation. Work is part of God's good creation for us. It does, however, go on to tell us that when God had finished creating the world and humans, he rested. Genesis 2 verse 2 says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from the work of creating that he had done. God rested because he had just created humans, the pinnacle of his creation, and he had brought us into relationship with him. Rest in the Bible is not just about rest on a holiday. It's about rest in your heart as you come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we've heard this verse a few times today. Jesus calls us to rest in him. Come to me, all, you are weary, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Busyness can become a tyrant, but we can learn to tame the tyrant by following Jesus' example of focusing on and making time for the most important priorities, and by leaving undone the less important things. Of staying close to God by spending time with him. We learnt that another practical strategy is to plan some margins in your diary to leave time for us to be generous to others when they need it. And lastly, making time to rest allows God to minister to us so we are ready for the next challenge ahead. 
Let me finish with a story. So recently a friend told me a story about her dog Jonah. In her home there are two people and two dogs. Jonah is the senior dog and he takes very seriously his job of looking after and protecting the rest of the family. He is always alert to the door and there before the bell even rings. He runs from room to room, checking that everyone's okay, offering a lick here or a head on a lap for comfort there. He is a very busy dog. Every evening when all are at home, dinner's been eaten and the household sits down to relax, Jonah crashes on the sofa on his back with his tummy and private bits in the air. Jonah's job is done and he is resting in a very comforting and vulnerable way, knowing that he is safe. In a similar vein, we can be busy all day giving out to those around us, especially as we are usually the carers for our family. But then there needs to be a time when we come home to Jesus and make ourselves vulnerable to him, telling him all about our days and letting him minister to our vulnerabilities. Busyness doesn't define our worth. We have been given a new identity in Christ. We have become new creations. Be still. and know that God loves you and desires you. Your priorities and actions will naturally emerge from that loving relationship with him. You don't have to earn that love, it's yours. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your example. We thank you for the example of Jesus. Lord, you created us for work. But in this crazy, upside-down world, work can take the place of you. We ask, Lord, that today you will remind us that you love us, that we can rest in you. And please help us to make a deliberate choice to put that time back into our lives and to spend time with you so you can tell us what are the most important things to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.